0: Hello, and welcome back to another Athletics Baseball Podcast episode. This one should be episode 14, and I hope you all had a great weekend. We're going to be getting into the month of February here pretty soon, and probably next week I'll do another baseball movie review, and I'll let you know what that is. Probably on the next episode, which which movie I decide to do. But today, if you've been keeping up with anything in A's news lately, you probably know what I'm going to talk about today, which is the Cole Irvin trade. And I know that A's fans feel. They have high emotions when it comes to trading players right now because it's still very raw, all the people that we've been losing. And it's, it's almost over at this point. The trades are almost done. Probably not quite, but this season and and next off season, and that's probably it. We're probably done with trading away major league players for prospects. And we might do some different types of trades after that point, but I think at that point the rebuild will sort of be set in where it's going to be, and then we'll just have to make do with what we have and try to make smart acquisitions on the free market, the free agency list, and that's pretty much it. So, we'll get into that in just a second. First, quick reminder, like and subscribe, rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. It helps it to get out there so that other A's fans can know that this podcast exists. Check out our Instagram at athletics underscore baseball underscore podcast, and send any Questions, comments, concerns to my email, athletics podcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get into the Cole Irvin trade. So, we traded Cole Irvin, who you probably know a little bit about, which is why it sucks that he's gone, because he's one of the few people that we know a little bit about on the A's at this point. But Colervin is a lefty six foot four starting pitcher, 28 years old. He's been traded to Baltimore. He was on the A's for two seasons. Uh, 2021 where he was uh, solid for us when we were trying to have a have a postseason run, which didn't end up working out. And we still had all of our, you know, Chris Bassett, uh, Frankie Montas, Shamania, all of our core for that season. And we needed a fifth starter. So we basically got him for free, essentially. We got him for cash considerations. In other words, we from Philadelphia, we just gave them some small amount of money maybe, uh, I can't remember what it is, a a million, a a couple million, maybe. And that was just, you know, he had only played a few games for them. He wasn't doing super well with Philadelphia, and apparently the A's saw something that they liked, something they can work with. Remember, the A's have their own way to evaluate players. Every team does. And they also have their own coaches to try and fix flaws that, that they think are causing problems for players. So for the most part, they know what they can and can't fix, and it doesn't always work out, but that's the idea. And it worked out for Cole Irvin. They turned him into, in 2021, a 4.24 ERA pitcher who started 32 games, 178 innings, uh solid workhorse pretty pretty uh consistent and in 2022 last year he threw 30 games 181 innings started all of them for a 3.98 ERA and pretty good uh he he improved and the question is are we happy or sad that he's gone obviously we're sad. We're all sad about Cole Irvin leaving. And I liked him. I, I did. I think, uh, you know, he seemed like a good presence in the clubhouse. He was a consistent, uh, reliable pitcher that you could count on n- most of the time to go up there and throw his five or six innings of of one or two run ball and give you a great shot to stay in the game, but you gotta look at upside and and downside for upside and risk, I guess, for all the different players and timelines too, because you need everyone to be good at the same time on a baseball team, if you want to be a good baseball team. So, the questions are, with Cole Irvin, did he fit with the A's timeline? And the answer to that is generally no. I mean, he might have, he he would have been able to stick around, I think it was 2026 he would have been a free agent, 2025. So, he might have been on the A's if we kept him all the way through uh, arbitration and paid whatever he was Supposed to get, which would be more, not minimum. He'd be getting a healthy chunk of money at that point, and then we would keep him to the point where we get nothing back in a trade or anything like that, and that would only just be the beginning of the A's contending for uh, postseason presence. So you have to you have to ask: Is that worth it to keep him around? And It sucks that he's gone, and I wish that he was still on the A's, but I do think that it was probably the right move at the right time because not only that there's a lot of factors here that are the reason that I say this because when you look at all of his advanced metrics, like contact that batters have, and, and how fast he's throwing pitches, what spin, location, stuff like that, he was somehow outperforming all of his metrics, basically, the last two seasons. And it sort of implies that he could have a fall-apart season, and if that happens, then he loses any trade value, basically. And... If it doesn't happen, you know, maybe the maybe the case is that he's not mysteriously outperforming his metrics. Maybe he's actually doing something successfully, you know, and that's another way to look at it. But then... His timeline doesn't really coincide with the A's, and on top of that, there's such a logjam, even still with him gone, with all of the starting pitching that the A's have, and this does drastically change what the starting rotation will look like, because if he was going to be on the A's, he was guaranteed going to be, you know, number one, number two, number three starting pitcher, on the A's, probably number one because I think that he had earned it if he if he was still on the A's. But with with all these starting pitchers fighting for spots, basically, you know what what do you what do you do? Uh, I've I've mentioned all of them before, but just a quick. I hope I don't miss any, but I might. Just a quick. Run through again. You got Paul Blackburn, Shintaro, Fujinami, Fuji. Um, you've got James Caprelian when he recovers from his shoulder surgery and comes back, then he will have his slot. Um, so that's three. You've got uh, Drew Rusinski for four. And then you've. You know, Cole Irvin would have been five, and you have no slot for anybody. Instead, you know, the A's have been talking about maybe trying to get A.J. Puck another look at, at being a starting pitcher, and so that's person number six. And then you've got J.P. Sears, you've got Ken Waldachuk maybe Freddie Tarnock, and Maybe Adam Aller, who could who could be in the bullpen, but he could also end up being a starter. Kyle Muller, you know, you've got you've got all these guys. Adrian Martinez, potentially. He was used as a starter last year. And all these guys, so the the goal for a lot of these guys for this season is to be traded away at some point. And whether it's now or later, it doesn't really matter as long as we get the right returns for them. And those those trade targets are, I think, Paul Blackburn, James Gaprelian, Fuji, and Drew Rosinski. Those are the guys that we're probably going to be looking to trade if they have good seasons. And if they don't have good seasons, then... They'll stick around, in in Fuji and uh, Rosinski's case, they'll stick around until their contract is up. And then they'll probably be on their way. And in Caprellian and Blackburn's case, it's a little bit less clear because we have team control for them. And if they do have any options left, which is not likely, then they're they're running low, running out of options. So we probably will be looking to trade them anyway over the next one or two years to make room for who will probably be the next core. Which, at, at this point... Definitely looks like Kyle Muller, J.P. Sears, Ken Waldachuk, and maybe Freddie Tarnock, maybe Adam Aller. There, there's question marks there still. Maybe Adrian Martinez, uh, and there are more guys in in the minors as well, in the minor league systems that haven't had their shot yet, really. And they'll all be sort of coming up over the next one, two, or three years, depending on how far down in the minors some of them are. Like, for for instance, JT Ginn. I hope I'm saying that right. It could be Gin, I suppose. But um, he is a starting pitcher. He's ranked fairly highly within the A's prospect system, and he will he's only in double A, he's only 23 years old, so his timeline is a couple years out, maybe two maybe three seasons, depends on how he does and that's the case for pretty much all these guys, we don't really know how long it'll take, necessarily, for them to be ready and You know, another guy, Mason Miller, who is projected to be a starting pitcher for the A's at some point, but he's only in high A, and he's 24. It could be three years, two, two to three years for him as well. So, all that just to say, trading Cole Irvin is sad to me personally, probably sad to you personally, but I think it was the right move as far as clearing out space in the rotation and also to get something back for sure, whereas depending on how this next season goes for him, it, he we might not have gotten as much or gotten anything for him depending on how he did. And there's always risks of, of injuries and, and things like that as well. So, sort of avoiding the risks, getting us a guaranteed something, and clearing up some space, and also clearing up that roster space for Jesus Aguilar, who we just acquired as well. And we had 40 out of 40 roster space is taken up, so we had to clear something out, and we talked about that on the Jesus Aguilar episode last week, which I thought that they were going to go a different direction. Maybe I thought that they were, I I thought there was a chance they could get rid of a pitcher as well, uh, but I wouldn't have thought it would be Cole Irvin, and really I thought they were going to probably clear out another position player to make room for Jesus Aguilar and instead they traded Cole Irvin and now we we've talked about was it a smart move to trade Cole Irvin I think I think so I think that it is the right move probably at the right time potentially uh to avoid the risk of, of him not performing to his previous level this year and not getting as much back for him. But then we have the question of, what did we get back for Cole Irvin? And was it... did we get enough back, basically? And on top of that, I, I should mention... We actually did not. We we actually traded another player as well. So we sent Cole Irvin to the Orioles. We also sent another pitcher, Kyle Verbitsky, twenty-four years old, six foot seven, two hundred and thirty-five pounds, right-hander, and a minor league prospect, and a starting pitcher. But. Who has only made it as high as high A. So, still a young, raw, developing pitcher. And remember, the A's have too many pitchers right now, essentially. We have enough, and they're kind of jamming up on each other. So, getting rid of some pitchers that we have too many of in order to get... Well, what did we get back? We got back Daryl Hernias Her- hernias I might be messing that name up, but it, it could be Darrell, I think, but I... I'm going to assume it's Daryl until I find out otherwise. And he is listed as a shortstop. He was the number 16 prospect in Baltimore's farm system, and Baltimore is currently ranked as the best farm system, the number one farm system in in baseball. So 16 on the Orioles is is pretty good. It might be somewhere in the top five, for a lot of other teams that have more depleted farm systems. So it's not like we're getting a a useless nobody here, necessarily. Number 16 on the Orioles is not necessarily a bad sign. He is not ranked in the top 100 overall, at least not on previous lists or anything, but he's also a young player who who has only just barely touched double a just 13 games in double a last season and that's it so he hasn't really had time like a lot a lot of the guys who come in and they're in the top 100 when they're really young in in low a or right out of the draft it's you know they're coming in with a certain pedigree and they were drafted number one and everything the guys who were drafted later on and maybe eventually turn into a high quality player it happens all the time uh, almost as often as you know a, num- a top level guy becomes a, su- a success so so don't don't read into the fact that he's not rated as a top 100 player in the prospect in in the minor leagues right now. Most successful A's players are not rated in the top whatever prospect, the uh, top number prospect when they're coming up through the A's system. It's not until they actually make it onto the Oakland A's and break out that then people recognize that they actually are good. And presumably the A's saw it all along with a player who would be developing in their system. Let's get into Daryl Hernias a little bit here. So he's listed as a second baseman, six foot one, 100, 190 pounds. He's listed as a second baseman, but he is actually considered, he's also listed as a shortstop. I think shortstop is his primary thing, so I don't know why MLB has him also listed as a second baseman on a different page, but he is a young guy. He is only 21 right now, and when you look at his stats in the minors, when he came up at, with the Orioles and played in the Rookie League in 2019, he had a 263 batting average, 371 on base, and 364 slugging for a 735 OPS in 29 games. Not a large sample size, and it's the Rookie League, so take that for what it is. There was the year of no training for COVID, and he came in in 2021 after that in low A, uh, starting off fairly strong with a, with a better batting average, 277, worse on base from the rookie league at a 333, and a similar slugging, 358, compared to 364 in the rookies. 691 OPS, that was 94 games in low A, so that's a better sample size of what you're getting. Again, still just low A. So, last year, he started off in low A, got promoted to high A, and did pretty similarly to low A. An 832 OPS, it, last season in low A he had an 853 in high a 832 ops over 60 games so that's pretty good if you if you've got a guy batting in the 800s ops you generally are going to say this guy maybe should be promoted to the next minor league system so he did he was promoted to the double a system where he Only played 13 games and he really struggled with a 113 batting average, 186 on base, 189 slugging for a 375 OPS. Don't read too much into that. It's his first trip to double A where I think the quality of talent takes a big jump going from high A to double A. And not such a big jump going from double A AA to triple A and then another big jump going from triple A obviously to the majors. So it's not all equal here when you're making these these jumps as you as you develop and it was also only 13 games. So he'll probably be playing in double A this year and he could, I don't think we'll see him in the majors this year, maybe next year. Same thing for some of our other young prospects, uh, Tyler Soderstrom, uh, Zach Geloff. I, I don't think we'll be seeing them this season. and I, I think that it would be a mistake to see them this season. I think that the the better thing to do would be to pull them up next season and see what happens. And again, this season we're probably not going to be in contention for the postseason. We could be because we've got a weird lineup and it's a little bit tricky. It, it's a little bit of a kind of a kind of a weird thing to say, but it's it's a tricky lineup because it sort of fools you into thinking that it's going to not be very good. Sort of like some other A's teams in the past, it's sort of cobbled together random pieces. But when you actually look at at what the A's are going to have this year, it's not going to be bad. So, interesting. But I, I have more to say about Daryl Herniaz, and that's actually that you need to look at this player and his stats and and also the uh, the conversation as far as what his skill set is, what he's good at which is speed he is so he's a middle infielder he's a fast guy he stole 32 bases last year in 105 games in the minors and you know this this is something that the a's are doing this off season, and I feel like this is the new A's moneyball right now there there's finding the market inefficiencies, the players that are undervalued, the skill sets that are undervalued, and up until now, for, for now, uh, the three true outcomes, you know, take a walk, hit a home run, or strike out, that's been the typical batter. And so power has been very, very valued, and that means power is hard to get. It's expensive because everyone wants it. And that's why the A's don't really get a lot of power players, a lot of power prospects, because teams don't want to give up their power hitter prospects, and the A's have Tyler Soderstrom, and for the most part, their other prospects are not really power hitters, and now there are some rule changes that are going to be taking place in this coming season, in the majors, where it's going to make it a little bit easier to steal and those were implemented last year in the minors, and players like Daryl Hernias and Ryan Noda and Asturi Ruiz, who all are good base stealers, they have been playing and practicing with some of these rule changes. For instance, the bases... Are going to be slightly larger, wider. A couple, like two inches, I think, meaning two to like three to four inches less of a distance between first and second base when you're stealing. And that doesn't sound like it matters, but just think about how often there are that that you have to go and do a slow-mo replay of the tag to see whether the player's fingertip hit the bag first or the glove hit the the base runner on the shoulder first. And if you have three extra inches closer to the to the bag there, there's going to be a lot more stolen bases just from that. And then there's another rule change. I'll do a whole rule change episode and talk about that some other time. But it's a whole big topic. Uh, There's another rule change where pitchers are only going to be allowed to throw back to first base to check the runner back to the bag three times and if they're if they don't get him out on any of those three times then the base runner gets a free base they get to go to second for free. It's like like a walk, but on the bases. You might not like the rule. You might like the rule. But that's something that's going to be happening. And that means that uh, if you suc- unsuccessfully try to pick someone off two times, that third time, they're not going to be trying to pick a player off. Which means a player can take an extra foot, maybe two feet, of a leadoff. Can't go too far, because they still can try to throw you out, and if they get you out, then you're out. But they're not going to try and throw you out. They're not going to try and pick you off unless they're sure they can do it, because they're not going to want to walk you over to second. So, it's not just three inches shorter, really. It's realistically, if you can, if you can draw two pickoff attempts, then you're going to have a foot and a half maybe closer to to the bag. and then you you take some speedy guys like Daryl Hernaez, Astory Ruiz, and you give them a couple an extra foot or two closer to second base and you you might see something pretty pretty fun and pretty interesting and a, a lot of stolen bases. And remember, Astory Ruiz last year in the minors... 85 stolen bases, 114 games, and yes, using some of these rule changes. So, he's proved that in the minors he can take advantage of this. Now that rule change is coming to the majors, and you might see a totally different style of baseball. Contact, walking, and stealing bases. And I think that that's what the A's are trying to do here, and... Not all of the players that we trade for will necessarily work out in the long term. But if a couple of them do, and you have this new style of player, and the A's are on sort of the cutting edge of this development of the new style of team, that would be a really cool thing. And on top of that, it's just fun to watch players steal bases, like Ricky. So, I'm I'm hopeful that Daryl hernaez is going to work out for the A's. I think that it was it was a a decent trade, and cleared cleared out some some arms from Oakland, the backlog of arms, and got another middle infielder that the A's in the last. in in recent years, have really struggled to fill the middle infield slots successfully. And we really don't seem to have a problem with filling out the corner, first and third, but second and shortstop are a challenge for us. And it, it seems, my guess is that Tyler Soderstrom is gonna be our first baseman in the future. Zach Geloff is gonna be our third baseman and that's the question then is who's our second baseman who's our shortstop? Maybe Nick Allen is gonna be one of those I think so and and then and then maybe Daryl Hernias. maybe Max Muncie ends up developing into the a middle infielder to fill that position out. But you know, we we have some options and that's a good thing because like I said, not every prospect is gonna work out. So it's it's a good thing to have a little bit of redundancy here. And ultimately I do like the trade, I think. It it'll be it'll be interesting because just like all trades and all prospects, the the real question, the the thing that we're going to have to wait for is how does it pan out? How does the player that we received develop? And that will ultimately determine whether it was a successful trade or whether we messed up. I think we know what we gave away in Cole Irvin, but we don't yet know what we really got back. So we'll just have to wait and see. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great Monday, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday. Have a good rest of your week.